Wednesday, September 25th. It's a mailbag Wednesday. I'm Arm Layton. He's Peter Apple. It's the Just Baseball Show. And we've got a ton of really fun questions today, Peter. How are we doing? Doing well. It's uh, September 21st. I think it's the solstice of something, right? You said solstice September 25th. I think it's 25th. It, yeah, you said 25th. I think it's September 21st means something. Does it mean something? Right? Doesn't I know, it? It's is, the end of mer- summer. Mercury's in retrograde. It's one of those I see that on things. Twitter a lot. Do you know what that means? Not even slightly. Apparently, it's supposed to impact your your day to day. Like I saw the tweet context was like, retrograde's really kicking my ass right now. I'm like, get out of here. I've been like, winning bets. Maybe it's good that it's in retrograde, dude. If we start getting you studying like the lunar uh, patterns, I I don't even know what you call that. Uh, just astrology. I'll I'll lose my shit. <laughs> That's how you have to bet baseball these days. It's so tough. That's why I've been limiting the amount of bets I've been putting out because you have no idea, right? Like, for example, I'm on the Astros today against the race. You're going to hear this the next day. Sometimes I like to talk it out so you hear my reasoning the next day after it happens. Like right now, the Astros are ahead 1-0. And a bunch of people told me that was a dumb bet today because the Astros clinched already. You got Shane uh-huh. McClanahan. The Rays are big favorites. I Astros pick. And I, I was just like, wait a minute. The Astros, unless they rest everyone and they only rested Jordan, are they just not going to hit the ball because they clinch? Like, but then there's the aspect of it where, you know, twins play the Royals and who needs a win more than the twins do, but they don't match up very well today. It's, it's like, where baseball. do you go there? Dude, these guys are pros. Uh, yeah. I've never understood that. I mean, it, there's certain circumstances like guess where you could lean into that. But if you think these Astros guys are just going to, Nah, I don't care about it. I mean, they want to hit. They want to put yeah. up numbers regardless, and they want to keep winning ball games. Like, yeah. it's not like you're going to just roll over. And on the flip side, I liked that pick from you because I mean, McClanahan, like, he's just still getting back from that shot. I mean, he looked okay. He danced out of trouble last time. I really hope he shoves. I hope your bet hits. But just like I want to see McClanahan at full strength. Hope he gives up like two runs and shoves and and Javier shuts him out. But I liked that pick because I mean, you're you're looking at McClanahan. You're hoping that he's going to be okay. And now you got somebody like Frankie Montes now following suit with that same shoulder injection. Hopefully he can come back too. There's not much precedence to you know, guys getting rushed back from that. And we'll, you know, we'll kind of see how it plays out, I guess. It's a good point. We're recording right in the middle of this game. And right now it's one zero Astros. Like McClanahan gave up a double to Kyle Tucker in the first inning, but then he settled in. That's some, that's really what McClanahan has been doing this year. Kind of similar to Garrett Cole. The first inning just struggles, but then you settle in and you throw five shutout. But McClanahan's also on a pitch count and, you know, (laughs) Christian Javier being bad might be the worst take I've ever had. Like (laughs) he is. I looked more at the advanced numbers. I was like, he is so fucking good. Holy shit. It's and it's crazy how, like, how much since literally it was like the second you said that though he like kicked it in gear it, he, like he, he just leveled it, up. He has been 
him and Shane McClanahan have the same XERA. Wow. That's crazy. I have not two five five for Christian Javier, two five one for McClanahan. Wow. And Dude, that's been that good. That's insane. <laughs> and that's why, I mean, we're going to talk about some World Series odds. That's one of the questions here. Uh, just like how you would spread your money if you could have three different bets with $10. We're going to talk about that because it, it's one of those where there's a lot of good teams, but at the same time, the best teams are the clear-cut best teams. So looking forward to talking about that. Also, we're going to start with the bad teams because I think that's a fun thing to get out of the way. And we have we have fun talking about bad teams on here, I, especially Jack. Jack loves mediocre baseball. Uh, I like it because usually that means prospects are involved. Uh, and also you just, Peter, you love to make fun of bad teams. So there we go. Uh, I, but I do love I like bad because I like finding diamonds. in the Exactly. Rock. That's my totally. favorite part. And that's your favorite part of bad baseball. Like who are the fun guys to watch on bad baseball? Like oh, I have 100%. fallen in love with Spencer Steer on the Reds, Nick yeah. Lodolo, another guy Yeah, like yeah. those type of players where you're like, wait a minute, if that guy gets a good opportunity or if that team gets good, he's going to be at the forefront of it. That's why I always enjoy talking about bad teams. But at the same time, I, I love, can we, okay. Before we start, talking about bad baseball for a second the more i look at the marlins honestly the more i get upset with them like is the pitching even that good let's be honest oh right god now. like can we do something for a minute this okay, is only gonna be two minutes okay, of the show okay, okay like okay trevor rogers has not had a good year no. did he look like he came back and was better yes but the results on paper weren't that great i think you and i could both agree on that yeah one. Pablo Lopez has not had that good of a season. They'll just pitch Sandy nine innings regardless. So they're just kind of running him into the ground. While he's a workhorse, everybody is a human being. Jesus Cesardo, when he's on the field, is good. But when he's on the field, Edward Cabrera, when he's on the field, is good. Yuri Perez, alien, far off. Max Meyer, TJ. Like, is the pitching, because we know they can't hit and they can't develop hitting either. Is the pitching, are you nervous at all? Oh, of course I am. I, I okay. like, here's the thing. If if Lizardo and Cabrera are healthy, which is a big F, that rotation is phenomenal. But I, I think we went into this year assuming Trevor Rogers was number two. Trevor Rogers, like a legitimate bona fide number two starter. And that guy just basically was eliminated from the fold here. Like Pablo Lopez. I wasn't expecting that much more than what we got from Lopez. He then just set the bar so high through his first couple months. And we're like, whoa, is Lopez a top 30 pitcher? And then he kind of hit the wall and then he kind of came back. And he's more of that number three kind of guy and like settle in there. And that's who he is. But he had to be that number two because Rogers stunk. And I think now that Rogers has been what he has been. Yeah. Now that's a very fair question, because if you have a healthy Rogers, you've got Sandy Rogers, Pablo, or not a healthy Rogers, a Rogers performing the way he's supposed to perform. That's a great three. And then you hope that any of those aforementioned guys can fill out four and five. Lizardo, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer, Jake Eater, Yuri Perez. But here we are, Sixto Sanchez, forget it. And it just seems like real. either guys have gotten hurt and then the guys that haven't gotten hurt have just taken a fat step back. So, no, I'm, I'm definitely concerned. I'm definitely concerned. I, I think Trevor Rogers will come back and be – more like Trevor Rogers next season. He's done for the year now. They, they shut him down after a little tweak. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, and they're going to trade from their pitching, so they better not mess it up. But, yeah, no, this team stinks. It, there, there's a reason why they lost so many games. I just feel like we always give, like, pitching's pitching's great. They just can't hit, and that's the problem. And then I was just looking into it today. I was on TikTok Live, and people were asking me about the pitching because there was a question on it of people saying, 
you know, is it is like the Marlins pitching as good as you guys says? And I'm going through it. I'm like, we do give them a lot of passes when healthy. Yes. When healthy, that's upside wise. That rotation can be one of the best in baseball, but that's a big that's a big assumption. And I think Marlins are learning that the hard way. Unfortunately, but thank you. Let's get into the question. Thank you for that. Enough, enough on your team. Yeah, because thank you. Maybe they'll be good one day. Um, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure they will. Uh, Don Mattingly, by the way, just said he likes JJ Bleday in center. Um, I just saw that from my man Isaac Azut. He just and he's been playing out. center his whole career, right? Yeah, and he, uh, negative three outs above average, and I think he's dropped two fly balls. But I'm glad Don Mattingly likes him out there. He also comped Monte Harrison to Mookie Betts. Um, all right, let's get to this first question here. Uh, this comes from Dylan Winnick, 32, on Twitter, and I love this one because it is really crazy and telling that we're having this conversation. The Rockies and Angels are both 64 and 83 and very disappointing. Which team do you see being better in the next three to five years? And how should each team approach the next couple of years to try to become relevant again? We don't need to to rehash too much on the Angels, but more so because we know what the Angels need to do, but more so on what the how the Angels stack up with the Rockies. And then honestly, I'd love to like to hear a little bit more of from you on you know what you think the next steps are for the Rockies, who are heading in the right direction. Um, the Angels, I don't know what direction they're heading in. And that's kind of what makes this an interesting conversation. Such an interesting conversation because this is one of the hardest questions to answer in baseball. Like many GMs have tried, and we are 24-year-olds trying to repair franchises that have not repaired themselves through multiple executive groups. So what we're going to try and do here is do our best. That's all I can say. Can't be right because no one has been right so far. But what I can say is the Rockies have a very solid farm. Like I've heard firsthand from you, a lot of the under the radar guys who I'm sure you can speak on in a second. But what I can speak on firsthand just because I saw him in action is Zach Veen, who I'm in love with. I think he was. It's so tough to gauge a futures game and to say, oh, he was the most impressive at a futures game is one thing. Then there's, I think, another thing where I go back and I am I was so impressed with him in that one game. So then I go and I look at video and I actually do a dive on Zach Veen. Couldn't love the kid more. I mean, he just looks like he could spray the ball all over the ballpark. He has such a powerful electric swing. What I loved in the futures game is that he's seeing 99 outside of the zone and he's punching it to left field as a left-handed batter. Like he just looks like he has such a great approach. He was a high profile prospect coming out of um, high school. Yeah. And he's just been, and he's just been electric. I don't know exactly how the stats are going. He's got more. He could be better. That's the thing too. It's like, yeah, they they put bumped him up to double. He's getting adjusted, but like he's got superstar upside and, I agree. I mean, that's that's a building block right there. And you talk about what Veen is bringing to the table. Ezekiel Tovar is probably one of the most underrated prospects in baseball. Already in AAA, homered in his first game there, has mashed all season long, and he's a gold glove defender at short. I think, and this is one we'll talk about when we do next year's predictions, when we start getting into that, like we always do before the season, assuming he's got a chance to break camp, Tovar is going to be one of my favorite, like Jeremy Pena type of a rookie of the year bets. Uh, so I love what they've got there. They've got a few other offensive prospects who could be up relatively soon. The big question is who's going to pitch for them. 
<laughs> and, you know, they have extended some guys. They found ways to piece together the rotation. But I have a, like a level of concern of can you ever really build a consistently good team in Colorado That's when it, you have to look for specific types of pitchers? Like we've talked about Herman Marquez on here a lot. I know you've gotten into it a lot about him from a betting standpoint, but also just from like a baseball analytical standpoint, like he's, he's so talented, but he stinks out there because it's impossible to throw out there. He averages one and a half homers per nine allowed because he loves to throw the riding fastball. If your most talented pitcher is terrible at home, (laughs) how do you build a successful team there? It's trying to play baseball in like another planet. Here's my thing with the Rockies and why I never think that they'll actually be very good. One thing is for certain they will not sign big name starting pitchers. They just won't. No one will go there. Whether they have the budget or not, which they have the budget for Chris Bryant, which is going swimmingly. They don't have the budget. Well, excuse me. They do have the budget, but no starting pitcher in their right mind will go there. Like if I'm a 28 year old and I'm about to sign a five, six year deal, I'd rather sign it so many other places for less money than go to Colorado. So what they're going to have to do is develop pitching and they haven't shown that they can develop pitching. So I would rather buy stock in the angels with (laughs) like, (laughs) it sucks. I don't want to buy stock in either of these teams, but I would rather buy stock in the angels because I do believe in the new management over there. We've talked about Perry Sizen and how he seems to have a good grip on this. But again, we talked about a pre-recording. He made some moves at the deadline that didn't make a ton of sense. Um, I did like getting Logan O'Hoppy, though. Exactly. Like they did. But Brandon Marsh looks like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, he finally looks like the guy I thought he was going to be. Exactly. Um, So So there's a couple of moves there. You know, the Rasa Iglesias move now that Jesse Chavez is back on the Braves is certainly interesting. But when I think about what the Angels have been doing about them loading up on young pitching, which is working. And like Reed Detmers looks like a piece. Pablo Sandoval definitely looks like a piece. There have been guys who have come up this year who who you think to yourself, okay, you put them behind Shohei. This can be a formidable rotation. And they also have the money and free agents would sign there. Like you'd sign with the Los Angeles yeah, Angels if they open up you're the in Los Angeles. They're, they're coming off they're coming off some bad contracts too. I would rather buy stock in the Angels than I would the Rockies. So, and it's not and and that's kind of just on talent that's already there. Yeah. But then the Angels get an extra boost because the Rockies, you're playing in a solar system and no big name pitcher will ever come pitch for your team. And I think that's a great point because you also have the challenge of, you know, yes, I love what the Rockies have prospect wise, but at the end of the day, like those guys all have to translate. Zach Fien, we love him. We're gushing about him. He still has to get it going and double, you know, and, and who, who knows how long that's going to take. The flip side though, is the angels have some brutal contracts and you, you talk about, that situation that you're inheriting, like you're inheriting that Anthony Rendon contract, which now I think will take over as the worst in major league baseball. But at the same point, you have Mike Trout who back injury seems like an afterthought Shohei Otani. We know what he does offensively, but also is, is looking like a top five pitcher in baseball uh, with what he's been able to do. And you mentioned Detmers emerging as a legitimate arm. I like a lot of the arms that they've compiled in the farm system. I went into this recording thinking Rockies, but you bring up a good point, right? How are they going to fortify that rotation? I do like some of the additions that they've made, uh, some drafts, 
draftees. Jaden Hill was a great pick for them. He's so far off. Like they're doing the right things. And I think five years from now, it could be close. But even a 35-year-old Mike Trout and a 32-year-old Shohei Otani, they're still going to be rocking. And I'm hoping that some of these other pitchers will, will be up and be able to help them by then. They've got some sneaky good offensive prospects. They can piece it together. It, it's just too... It's just too much talent, I think, in L.A. with these angels to, to say that the Rockies are better off. But the fact that we were even talking about these two teams, I think, says a lot. Uh, but I think we're both in agreement. You know, we're rolling with the angels for the next three to five years. Uh, the star powers there just figure out a way to build around those guys. I think that's easier than finding pitching on the moon. Two things. One, Jeremy Pena just hit a three run home run off Shane McClanahan is now four zero <laughs> Astros. Second thing, do you think Angels fans are listening to this podcast being like, are you guys fucking comparing us to the Rockies? Like, how <laughs> fucked are we? Like, if I were no, that, honestly, I'd be like, if I was an Angels fan, because I love like the Angels, you know, we're going to get into some of like favorite teams if it weren't the Yankees, favorite players if it weren't the Yankees. Like the Angels are my California team. Yeah, I am yeah. always been pro Angels. You know, I went to games as a kid. All my friends were Dodger fans. And since I was a Yankee fan, they always gave me shit. So I was like, you know what? My second favorite team is going to be the Angels because fuck you guys. Like, I love the Angels. I always root for the Angels. Um, You know, if the Yankees aren't in it, the Angels are my team. And they suck. They're horrible. And it's like, yes, you're being compared to the Rockies right now. That's how bad it's been. You win as many games as the Rockies are winning with Trout and Shoei. It's almost worse. It's almost worse. The Rockies have an excuse. They, I don't know who's running their their team and they play on the moon. The Angels, you have no excuses. You have more money. You're in L.A. You have the stars. Yeah, you're yeah. almost worse. You're worse. It's worse given the circumstances. And I will say, though, I think the Rockies are heading in the right direction. I think Chris Bryant's going to bounce back a little bit. We talked about that. But ultimately, I'd way rather inherit, I think, the, the Angels situation and, and piece it together there. And I think we're in agreement on that one. Um Another one that's kind of about bad teams and looking to the future, which I think this one is really fun too. This comes from Bradley Sandberg on Twitter. Out of the teams that are going to finish either fourth or fifth in their division this season, which ones are most likely to win a World Series in the next five years? Love this question. This is one of my favorites. Uh, Such a I mean, question. Dude, there's a lot of ways we can go with this. Um, what do you have in mind? Where We talk about... Do you want me to list all the teams first and then we'll go from there? I have the it in my mind, but I think it's good if you list them all. So yeah, let me list them all out for the listener as well. Yeah. So they don't have to pull up their ESPN or MLB app to, to look at the standings. So yeah. technically speaking, and I want to omit them from this, the Orioles are technically a fourth place team. I want to omit them from this because I damn it. That was my answer. All right. Yeah. So (laughs) we we, we can, we can count them, but we'll we'll give more answers beyond that because the the Orioles are over 500 by six games. So it's a little ridiculous, Uh, but you got the Orioles, the Red Sox, the Marlins, the Nationals, the Royals, the Tigers, the Reds, the Pirates, the Rangers, the Athletics, the D-backs and the Rockies. What, what do you think here? Um, Obviously the Orioles are the best team here by a lot. Just, purely record wise. Uh, They're better than some of the other teams that are near the top of their other divisions. Uh, You put the Orioles in the NL central. They're right there with the Brewers for second place. Other than the Orioles, because we know how bright their future is. And, you know, everybody knows how good their farm system is, how good Adley is, how good Grayson Gunner. It's silly what they're building there. Who else stands out to you? So here's my issue. I looked at all these teams and thought the Orioles definitely have a shot. And then I looked at the rest arm. And I couldn't really find an answer. I want to take the Reds, but I don't even think they count. 
Because I think they're in third place, correct? The Reds are presently in fourth. I'll take the Reds then. I think that it, but like, will they ever spend money? I'll take the Reds in this scenario because the Reds have as bright of a future as any other team in Major League Baseball within this category. You look at their farm system and it's budding with talent. You have like three top 10 shortstop prospects in the game right now. You have plenty of pitching. Love what we're seeing from Lodolo. Hunter Green is a is electric. They have a bunch of arms down there ready to go as well. Ashcraft, I know he dealt with an injury, but like he's a good starting pitcher when it's all said and done. And then the hitting. You get Steer, you get India. There's a bunch of them too that are going to be in there. And I think Ellie De La Cruz is going to be one of the next great players in our game. I would go with the Cincinnati Reds here if they fit the criteria of being in fourth place. That's yeah. that's the team I, I would be riding with. But the answer is the Orioles. It's not even close. Yeah, it's not even close. Um, it's not even close that it's the Orioles. But I agree. I mean, when you look at the Reds, also they have some talent already at the big league level. You listed some of those guys. I mean, Tyler Stevenson, such a good player, just has been hurt all year. Lost season for him. Uh, but, you know, you, you figure he's going to factor in long term. Uh, they have so many bats and a lot of guys that are going to, I think, really be able to produce in, in that ballpark, but also pitchers that should translate well. Other than Hunter Green as a fly ball pitcher, you talk about Lodolo, Ashcraft, two ground ball guys. Andrew Abbott is another really exciting arm. They've got Brandon Williamson. They've got a bunch of other intriguing prospects. They're building something really good there. Uh, my other answer would be the D-backs. Uh, we're, we're seeing the D-backs start to trend towards being a competitive team now. And you look at the emergence of Jake McCarthy, which is a huge development. We just wrote something up on that on just baseball.com about, you know, where he's kind of come out of nowhere and has been one of the better players in baseball flat out in the second half. Cattell Marte, you figure has to be better over the next several years, still pretty young, uh, but Dalton Varsho, Christian Walker has gone nuclear this season. Josh Rojas looks like a piece. And then of course, Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas. I think Carroll is going to be one of the best players in baseball soon. Alec Thomas is a really good player. They've got Drew Jones, who you hope can climb quicker than most other high school guys. And then the pitching looks really good. Zach Gallen looks like a bona fide ace. Uh, They have Merrill Kelly, who looks like a solid middle of the rotation starter. And then Ryan Nelson has come up and looked good. Trey Jamison has come up and looked good. Brandon Fott is a top 50 prospect in baseball, one of the best right-handers in baseball. Don't sleep on the D-backs. They could creep in not be too far off from the Orioles conversation here. If it all goes right. And that pitching comes together, uh, Stone Garrett, even as, as a factor in there, this is a very intriguing team. And I didn't even mention Jordan Lawler, who's already up in double a and looks really, really good. This team is going to be crazy. I love your point right there. You know why I didn't pick them? Cause I think when we're talking about all around talent and maybe the better team right now, I think it would be the diamondbacks. The reason I didn't pick them, and maybe this is a wrong way to look at it, I looked at their division arm. Yeah, the division. I see the Dodgers and the Padres, and I think to myself, well, the Reds have an area of possibly winning the division. I don't think that they will because the Cardinals are not only good now, they're going to be good for a very long time. So that's a tough one. So you could say, well, Peter, if you're going to judge the West, you better judge the Central. But I feel like there is a there's a better window there for the oh, Reds for sure. rather than the Diamondbacks. So that's why I went with the Reds, but really I went with the Orioles. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the Orioles, and that's a tough division too, but shit, man, they can they can catch up with anybody. And, and I think, you know, it, it's definitely a good point. I just, I think you can only control the controllable. We're going to see more of a schedule across the whole league. We're answering the question arm. Yeah. You know? I think, <laughs> I think the D-backs are going to, I think the D-backs are going to be that team. So I like um, it. 
I, and I can't wait to see some of those guys come up soon. Next question. And now this is more on the young talent side of things. And this is fun because we know it's going to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of who it always happens every postseason. This comes from Carter Ryan seven on Instagram with the influx of so many young stars, which one do you think will have the biggest impact for their team in the last few weeks of the season and into the postseason? We know how many freak youngsters have taken over the game this year. We've talked about it a ton. What's even more amazing is that a lot of them are on contenders. Who comes to your mind first, Peter, when you when you hear this question? This may be the easy answer, but I feel like it has to be the answer. And that answer is Spencer Strider on the Atlanta Braves. Yep. Not only because of how important starting pitching is when it comes to the playoffs, but when you look at the Braves overall rotation and you take out Strider, you have Max Freed, who's a certified dog. Absolutely no worries about him. Kyle Wright. I think we like him. Don't love him. Yeah. Chuck Morton is obviously getting a little bit older there. And then besides that, there's not a lot to love with the Atlanta Braves starting rotation. But you put in Strider there. Whoa. They have a real rotation that can compete with the Dodgers and the Mets. So not only has Strider been the best rookie, but down the stretch to lockdown games and then in the playoffs, because the Braves have a phenomenal bullpen. So you only need five innings from Strider. And if I need one guy to come in and blow cheese for one five inning spurt, that's Spencer Strider. So while he's going to win rookie of the year and deservedly so, and has been one of the best pitchers in baseball, I think he will no doubt be the most impactful rookie when it comes to these playoffs because starting pitching wins championships. And when you look at the scope of the Braves, the rest of the rotation, like you put Strider on the Astros while he's the best rookie, is he the most impactful? Maybe not. No. But in this situation, he's definitely the most impactful. No, I, I agree with that because, dude, Strider, not only has he been the best rookie, you talk about one of the best pitchers in baseball, you'll get second half. Aside from Zach Gowan, he's arguably been you know the best pitcher. You know Who's right there next to him is George Kirby. And George Kirby is another guy who I think can really factor into this, but is he as important as Julio Rodriguez? And that's the big question here because you'll get the Mariners. Look at what Logan Gilbert just did last night or two nights ago as people are listening to this just shoved. They've got Robbie Ray, who's looked pretty solid. Luis Castillo has been phenomenal, but George Kirby has been right there with Strider. You look at the numbers in the second half. Both of them have had 10 starts in the second half. 2.2 ERA for Strider, 2.03 ERA for Kirby. 1.56 fit for Strider, 1.33 fit for Kirby. Uh, They both have just been phenomenal. And I mean, I would say that J-Rod is more important. It's the J-Rod show. We know that that's you know, a very obvious answer here as well. But I just wanted to highlight George Kirby because I was talking about this with our managing editor, Ryan Finkelstein, as he was detailing some of the outlooks for each of these playoff teams. And you know, who does pitch that second, third game for the Mariners? Are you going to Logan Gilbert or George Kirby in game three? Or are you moving Robbie Ray out of this? Like I feel like you can't. Move Robbie Ray, the reigning Cy Young champ, the one lefty in your rotation that's going to really be in that postseason rotation. George Kirby has to fit in here somewhere. You go in four man rotation with Gilbert as the fourth. Like, is that does that mean Kirby's not as important as J Rod? I would probably say so, right? I love that you brought it up because it's a very interesting conversation. Because Kirby is right there with J Rod in terms of importance for 
for a team in general. Just a blank team. Just a exactly. Team. Yeah. But when I look at the Mariners, what are the Mariners built on? Their bullpen and starting pitching. Their offense is what's a little lackluster. Like Eugenio Suarez has been one of the best hitters on the Mariners this year. And now he's got a broken tip of his. Yeah, team. I mean, they need offense. You know, Ty France has been a bit inconsistent, but over yeah. the full season, he's been good. You know, Cal Raleigh has been awesome, yeah. which is, yeah, he's, I think he's almost at 25 home runs. Now he's dealing with a little bit of an injury too. Like Jesse Winker, you are, you're not game planning for Jesse Winker, but you're also, he's not an auto out. Um, so J Rod, I think, is incredibly important for the Seattle Mariners when you look at what the Seattle Mariners are best at. Like, I think the Seattle Mariners can win if you take George Kirby off. But if you take J-Rod off, I almost think they have no shot. Yeah, no, 100%. That's how I kind of think about it. Not even looking at, like, who's the better player? Because, like, J-Rod's the better player. J-Rod. He already has a nickname at 21. His name's J-Rod. We don't even call him Julio Rodriguez. Literally. But if we're just looking at impact through the next couple of weeks and the importance to a team, I think J-Rod is almost as important as Strider is. I wrote up why I think the Mariners can make a run, and I predicated that on the starting pitching in the bullpen. But also, that is with the assumption that they are able to put up enough runs. And I was saying they don't need to put up a ton of runs because the starting pitching in the bullpen is going to be so good. But someone's going to have to push them across. And you know, there's you talk about the inconsistency, even the Cal rallies of the world, big power, big inconsistency. Same with Winker, even same with Suarez at points. Julio Rodriguez is your tone setter in so many ways. And I don't know if there's a player rookie or not, that might be as important as Julio Rodriguez is to to his team. So agree with that. Are there any other dark horses maybe in this conversation that you think could be impactful rookies as we look forward to this postseason? There's probably a few names. I look at a a Stephen Kwan with Cleveland uh, and, and he, that's another offense that could use help, but I don't know if he really has the skill set to be able to be that vital, vital rookie. Is there anyone else that you're looking at that that maybe fits that criteria? So I was watching the Dodgers game today, and Miguel Vargas came to mind. He's not the high profile rookie; he's barely had much of a shot. But like it, when he's right, I mean, Miguel Vargas can be a real player here. Don't think that really fits in the conversation. Just trying to think outside the box a little bit, because yeah. I think I think everybody knows who are the best rookies in this. Like Stephen yeah. Kwan, of course, like super impactful. And we could just keep going down those guys. But I'm trying to just think outside the box of like maybe a rookie that nobody's talking about at all that could make an impact like a Taj Bradley on the Rays. Like if they call him up, could he do something for them? Things like that. You know what I'm saying? I got one for you. How about Bryson? Stott? Yeah, this is your bread and butter. I like Bryson Stott a lot. I think that's a great answer. The Phillies, look, they they are going to need to lean into their – we know they need to pitch, but they're going to have to score runs regardless. They're going to have to be one of the best offensive teams in the postseason to be able to win ball games and make a run. Bryson Stott was a guy I loved coming into this year, sucked through the first half. There's been dynamite in the second half. If he can keep that rolling, I mean, 115 WRC plus, 290 batting average, 766 OPS, good defense, can swipe some bags. If he can be that that dynamic guy that they kind of miss, you know, they don't have a lot of those guys in their lineup. That's that's a rookie that could be a dark horse to really help them as well. Uh, How about the, another dark horse? The forgotten rookie, Brendan Donovan. 
<laughs> Brandon the Donovan, Cardinals. absolutely. Utility player can play all around the diamond, give you good defense at multiple different positions, good bat to ball. Like you slot him and like maybe even a leadoff spot, you know, if Tommy Edmond isn't hitting or you put him closer to the end of the lineup to give you a little bit of thump back there. Brendan Donovan, you know, Nolan Gorman just got optioned. Um, and Matthew Libertor has a five year in the minors. And Brendan Donovan's been the best out of all of them. Like so maybe funny. he could be a big dark horse and kind of a playoff hero in a way. I could totally see that. Absolutely. And I think those are all all great answers there. And Donovan's been, I mean, another one of those dudes that he has hit at every single level and no one cared. And then he just yep. hit the major league level and we had to care. And I love stories <laughs> like that. still nobody cares. Yeah, still, for still we reason. forgot him. Yeah, Vinny Pascantino is the same story. He's just... They call him the Italian breakfast, so more people care. Brendan Donovan is the most auto-generated name possible, <laughs> which just really hurts his case. Uh, just but, like Jeff Smith. On yeah, the literally, it's just like, like two, two first names. It's just like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> this was a fun one. I want you to give a different answer than the obvious answer on this one, Peter. This comes from Jim Mertz, who tweets with us a lot. Uh, always love our interactions with Jim Mertz. But his at on Twitter is... At Irish fan seven seven nine three. So sorry for your losses. Um, I assume that is the Notre Dame Irish. But the question is, do you have a favorite player that is not an All Star like Jack with Jose Siri? I love that he specifically mentioned that in the question too. Um, but if you ask Jack, Jose Siri should be an All Star. He was snubbed this year. Obviously, your freaking answer is Cal Quantrill. But I want you to dig deeper. I want you to dig deeper, dude. Give me something else, because uh, I, I I think Cal Quattro is a great one, probably as good of an example as you can have. But I put this in here because I want you to stretch your mind a little bit. I want you to give us something a little different. I agree. Cal Quattro is my answer, of course. Um, I, I'm I'm going between a couple of different guys. Um, you know what's funny? I've loved. Sir Anthony Dominguez this year <laughs> on the nasty. Phillies. He is nasty. And the reason why I now like him is because I gave the Phillies bullpen so much flack in the offseason. And he was kind of a guy who sprouted up and I was like, ooh, maybe I was a little bit wrong. And then I keep watching him like, ooh, he is disgusting. But he's not my answer. He's just a guy who I wanted to mention because I know Phillies fans are always looking for me to say, hey, Peter, remember when you said we were not going to be good? Remember when you bet our under win total? Remember all these things? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. And I'm giving you credit. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been phenomenal. Spencer Steer. Yeah, I knew. I knew. I love me some of this dude. First of all, betting wise has saved me multiple times. Just the maturity. Like when these guys come up and they're over swingers and you know, they don't look like they're very well disciplined at the plate. Like even, you know, Corbin Carroll, when he came up or, you know, I mean, he's still good, but the guys like that, who I think if they took a couple of pitches, they'd be even better. Like steer did that from the jump. And he was, he's just such an underrated prospect. And I've loved what I've seen from him. Like he is developing into one of my favorite diamonds in the rough that I think will have a very successful career in baseball. So that's where my mind went. We can keep talking about him because I have others and I want to hear yours. Yeah, a, a little bit more on on Steer because it, the thing that's amazing about him is he's another dude that just hit and hit and hit, but it wasn't until he had the power until people really started paying attention to him. 
And that was the funny thing is then he starts hitting for power and people are all excited and he becomes highly regarded. And I was pretty surprised to see him moved. Great get by the Reds. We've talked about that on the call up. We've talked about that on here. And I love him because he is going to translate so well there. He's a doubles guy that added a little bit more power and now can hit 20 homers. But you put him in that environment, he might be able to squeeze out 30 if it all works. And I said, he's going to be just like Brandon Drury this year. If that's what I think he can provide. And that's freaking awesome. I think that's a great choice. Who else you have? And then I'll go with mine. Let me uh, let me think on it a little bit more. Let me okay. think on it. Let me hear yours. So this one, it's not as much of an underrated player because he went to a big market and we hear about this team all the time. But this is somebody that I've been very, very high on and have loved for a long time. Mark Hanna. Mark Hanna was, was a, a guy that the Marlins lost in the Rule 5 draft uh, way back in 2014. 14, 2015. I always kind of followed him ever since and not a great start. Then finally found his footing in 2018, really had a great year in 2019. But what I like about Canna is he just does everything. Well, he, he, he's able to sneak with a little bit of power that's dissipated a bit as he's dealt with a hip injury, but still 12 homers this year. He's averaged around 15 homers over his last five seasons, but bring speed can play all three outfield spots, more relegated to a corner now that he's 33, but when I always liked him, could play all three outfield spots at a high level, sneaky power, hits for average, walks a ton. So even when his average is a bit lower in the 250, 260 range, he's still getting on base at a 360, 370 clip through his peaks, 350 on base guy through his career. He just does everything well. He gets hit a ton. He's been hit, I think, 48 times over his last two seasons. Just wears it. He's a grinder. I just love everything about his game. I'm all in on, on Mark Hanna, even though he's a Met now. I, I like that one. I also, there was another one um, that I was on, you know, at the beginning of the season. And I, I wrote up an article on this guy, like not before everyone, but I think before the major outlets got to him. And that was Seiya Suzuki. Like I was a huge fan of his coming over. I thought he would, I thought he'd hit the ground running and he, he did initially. I mean, he got yeah, off to yeah, a crazy hot start, but then really slowed down. I think pitchers kind of figured him out a little bit. But I do think that he is going to be a solid player oh, yeah. in our game. Like, I think, remember, I gave you a slash line at the beginning of the year. I was like, I think he's 265, 340, 450 in that range. Like, what's Seiya Suzuki's slash line right now over the full season? Do you have that on you? I will have it in four seconds here. Suzuki on the season is 263, 336, 433. Will use in your defense. He's dealt with a hand and wrist injury at times. League adjusted to him. I thought he adjusted back pretty well through the latter parts of the season and then dealt with a little bit of injury. I'm in on Suzuki as well. And he's not an all-star, so that's a fair choice. He will be, though. I, and I do believe he will be. What that that was pretty accurate. <laughs> like, what? Was, what did you what was the line you said? I said 265, 340, like 460. Yeah, that, that's the one area was just the power a little power bit. Wasn't that, there. That's going to come. Though. I, I think you're still going to ultimately be pretty right on that. One it might other, be better. Yeah, might be better. I think he will be better, honestly. Aram, I think it might be time to take a break and talk to you guys about diet smoke. Diet smoke is the solution to avoid those, oh shit, I'm way too high moments. Diet smoke makes... Delta H, Delta 8 THC, Delta 9 THC, and CBD products that are perfectly balanced. Their gummies, drinks, and vapes are not only delicious, 
I broke into the mango. They are guaranteed to give you that beautiful buzz you've been looking for without melting you into the couch. I agree. They extract their THC and CBD from American grown hemp, meaning they can ship directly to your door. No prescription, no sketchy weed dealer, no need to even leave the house. Diet Smoke just released a bunch of new products and flavors. No matter what type of mood you're in, they got you covered. So if you're ready to get that perfect high, head over to dietsmoke.com and use code JUSTBASEBALL for 15% off of your entire purchase. Must be 21 and older to order. How you been liking Diet Smoke lately? You've been indulging? It's the only way I can like actually relax. I'm not gonna drink you know like a bourbon. You know it's been hilarious. So I was on a I was on Trent's stream today, and uh, people are like, "Is Peter off that diet smoke pack?" Like we've been getting comments like every single time we do anything now. It's like, "Oh, you off diet smoke?" And no, I use diet smoke to go to bed, and it's much better than any regular marijuana. And they ship directly to your door, so it's like ordering something off Amazon, except you get a bunch of edibles. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is great. And I know a couple a couple of listeners use the uh, promo code. wasn't working at first, and then they let us know. Thank you, Jace, for that. And we got that all fixed. So that promo code for fifteen percent off is working now. Um, and no, I, I've been the same way. It's pretty much my my glass of wine or whiskey, like that middle-aged guys have at the end of the day, like that's that for me because exactly. I really want to have alcohol every night. And um, um, also, you know, Will Cohen, our editor, shout out you, Will. Um, he ordered the sodas and he said they actually really work. <laughs> oh, they work? Okay. Yeah, they that's, work. That's good. That, that's a crazy concept. I have not dabbled in the sodas yet. We'll, we'll uh, be able to circle back on that one soon. I might try on this weekend. One player that I really don't, understand why he doesn't get more love he is a walking 830 ops every year has never been an all-star and he will get a chance to play in the playoffs most likely this year reese hoskins man i like watching reese hoskins hit i really do he walks again i just like guys who walk i really do he walks as much as anybody in the game uh in certain spots he hasn't walked as much this year but still a high walk rate led the league in walks in 2019 let me take you through his OPS by year, Peter. His rookie season, he played 50 games, 1,014 OPS. Since then, 850 OPS, 819, 887, 864, and 803 this year. He's literally never dipped below 800. He does it every year. He has hit at least 20 home runs every single season since his rookie year, besides the short in 2020 year where he was on pace for 30 home runs, or actually more than that if we played a full season. He's one of the safest, like guarantee the slash line. I could put the stat line in of 250, 340, 480 every year with 28 pumps. And you almost can guarantee it. I love hitters like that. I really do. I really do. You like consistency. You like, you know what you're going to get. And a sport where you don't know what you're ever getting. Absolutely. I can, I can vibe with that. Kind of like, you know what you're going to get from Kirk Cousins. He's always going to suck on prime time <laughs> and he's going to give you mediocre uh, football play. I think uh, his regular season record now is 60 and 62 for his career. Like he's just, he's made so much money though. So much money. Good for him. Anyone else you want to mention here as a player that you might be a fan of? I think we went hitter heavy for what that's worth. I want Sir Anthony Dominguez. Oh, my yes. favorite. <laughs> no, well, well, also Camilla Duvall is also my dude. I forgot to mention him. Like Camilla Duvall is the Velociraptor, which I've coined him by myself. And no, it has not caught on at all. It has, it has not caught on at all. It has not caught on even slightly. He is my favorite. I love watching him just throw 
fuzz with that slider. I think he's awesome. Well, I'll give my last one here. And this is a homer pick, but at the same time, he's just so fun. John Birdie. John Birdie's been an awesome story. It's 2.3 out four in 88 games. I know you just shrug, like whatever. 36 <laughs> bags this year, four homers. He's got a 100 WRC plus while playing great defense all over the diamond. He's played 38 games at second, 36 games at third, 14 in left, seven at short, three in center, and he's DH for three games. Every team on earth would love a John Birdie, and nobody knows who he is because he's a Marlin. If John Birdie was on the Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever, he's a fan favorite. Everyone knows who he is, but he's on the Marlins, and he's one of their best players, so no one gives a shit. Uh it's been an awesome year for Birdie. He's been hurt. He always gets hurt. But in the 88 games he's played, 2.3 F4, that's freaking insane. That's I think that's almost pacing the Marlins. That might be right there with Jazz for the best on the Marlins of any position player. Birdie's a, a really good player, just a really good ball player. He's a good ball player. I don't know if he's a really good player. He's a really good ball player. He's a good ball player. You know, he's a good ball player. Uh, he plays <laughs> the game the right way. You know, like, like that's someone my grandpa would probably love. Is John Birdie dives head first everywhere, goes hard, leads the league in stolen bases. Arm, yep, leads the major league baseball in 88 games. In 88 games, pretty elite. That kind of leads us into the next question with the shift being limited and pickoff rules implemented next year. Which players do you think will have a noticeable increase in batting average and stolen bases? That comes from Jared Cochran, 13 on Twitter. I will say one thing before we get into this. I want to focus more on the batting average side because I don't know if too much will change with stolen bases, right? It's guys who steal bases will steal more. I I don't really think there'll be too much of a change other than maybe some of the savvy players being able to, you know, after two throws over, get a little bit more more of a lead and, and steal a few more bags. You know, the Paul Goldschmidt's of the world that are just sneaky base stealers. Other than that, I don't see too much of a change there. What we'll see a huge change, I think, is with certain hitters and the shift. Who comes to mind for you, Peter? So I'm looking at who the percentage of who gets shifted the most in Major League Baseball. And I'll just run through them quickly. It's Carlos Santana, number one, Nico Goodrum, Alex Dickerson, Cal Raleigh, Vinny Pasquantino, Rugnit Odor, Jose Ramirez, Cole Calhoun, Billy McKinney, Lewin Diaz, Will Benson, Corey Seager, Aaron Hicks, Taylor Trammell, and Steven Vaught. That rounds out your top 15. And then just to go top 20, Cody Bellinger, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Tucker, Joey Gallo, and Seth Brown. So my eyes went to two names and I don't know if this is truly the right answer, but this is kind of how my mind came around to it. So tell me if I'm off here. Corey Seager seems like a guy that if he wasn't shifted that much, Uh, the batting average would go up as well as Jose Ramirez. Like, I think it's easy to say Joey Gallo. Of course, it probably would be Joey Gallo because he hits 160 and it probably goes up if not, if you're not playing six outfielders on the right side of the field. But that was, that's where my mind went to with how often their shift with the bat to ball. If they can just squeak some of those ground balls through the five, six, without running into an outfielder or the second baseman playing in short right field. Those were my mind went to, am I on the right track? That was my number one was Corey Seager. You are absolutely, I was hoping you wouldn't say Bellinger because Bellinger is he'll benefit a little bit, but he only puts the ball on the ground 33% of the time and whiffs a shitload. So he might benefit a little bit, but not nearly as much. You got to look at guys, like you said, who make a decent amount of contact, who pull the ball a lot and on the ground a lot. And I mean, 
Seager does a good job of using the whole field, but high ground ball rate. He's cut it down this year because I think of the, because of the shift. We talk about Rizzo and what he did in New York to just really hit it over the shift. Said, okay, it's a little bit easier to hit it out down the right field line here than it's been in other places prior. I'm just going to go over the shift. I can go pull side power and it worked. But at the same time, I'm sure he'd love to have those line drives to right field that are base hits. And Seager, the way he's getting shifted, the way he's a, he's really a line drive hitter for the most part. Talk about the doubles that he hits, what it, who he is as a hitter. Only 15% strikeout rate this year. We see the career high in homers, but career low in Babbitt. Peter, a 240 Babbitt from Corey Seager. He is going, I think that might be one of the number one benefactors of this thing. Jose Ramirez gets shifted from the left side. You mentioned him. That's somebody who hits the ball hard, hits the ball on the ground a lot, but he can get away with it because he's fast and he hits it hard. He will undoubtedly benefit too. Um, those are two great ones. Who else Who else are you looking at? I have a few guys in, my, in mind as well. Yeah, th- those were really the two guys. I also thought that Kyle Tucker made a lot of sense here. Um, he doesn't have like the same kind of ground ball rates, but it's not like he doesn't not hit the ball on the ground. And he also is a guy who hits the ball to all fields. But what I'm looking for is bat to ball guys who put the ball on the ground a decent amount and could benefit in the batting average department who are suffering a little bit more this year, who get shifted on aggressively. And those are the three, Seager, Jose Ramirez, and Kyle Tucker. I'm with you there. One other guy that I'm very excited because I've been waiting. I know you have too to see him just have it all click is Max Kepler. And mm-hmm. Max Kepler has, continues to just just tease us with just so talented. Just little blips of of really good stuff. What if I told you that Max Kepler's ground ball rate is the highest of his career, or at least the highest since 2016, and it's up eight point six percent from last year while his pull rate is up three percent so he's hitting the ball on the ground and pulling it more frequently and he's one of the most shifted players in baseball we know he hits the ball hard we know he has power we know how good he can be career low strikeout rate at 14.8 percent bad bip has always been low for him this is somebody that really could finally have that i mean imagine if max kepler instead of 230 is 250 260 with the way he walks, with the power that he has, all of a sudden you're looking at a 101 WRC plus guy, 95 WRC plus guy, more 115, 120 with good defense. Big, big change here. Big change for the Minnesota Twins who could really, really use him. And I'm interested to see how they handle him. They do have some other guys coming up. They have a bunch of prospects that have been banged up, kind of stuck in between in limbo here. They've heard Kepler trade rumors. What do you think they're going to do? That's what do I think the twins are going to do with Kepler? Yeah. Trade or keep. <sighs> I think you trade him and you go get more arms just because yeah. you have a Kirloff clone basically of yes, what yes. Kepler is, except a little bit better when he's right. And they're both um, injury prone. <laughs> like they're, yeah. They're I, I, you trade. Just go get arms, Minnesota. I want to like, wait. I wonder if they're put, legitimately put Dylan wait. Bundy in a playoff rotation arm. You yeah. can't do that. No, you, you literally can't. And, and I wonder if they are aware of this and they're going to say, hey, let's like wait because he might go off this year. Yeah. Kepler might go off. Let's wait and trade him maybe at the deadline or something like that uh, for pitching. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that one. All right, Peter, it's right up your alley here. This question's from Daisy's Dingoes on Twitter. Daisy's and Dingoes is the name, but the ad is at Daisy's Dingoes. You have $10 to bet on three teams to win the world series given the current betting odds and that 
is a big factor in this. How are you distributing those $10 on each of the three teams? Basically, you got $10 to place on three teams. Who do you want to put it on? Because you could just say, oh, well, Dodgers, Astros, and uh, whoever else. And that's going to give you the, the least upside. So how are you distributing these 10, three $10 bets and, and why? And I think it's important to, when we look at the current World Series odds, you might be a little bit disappointed. And there's a reason you're going to be a little bit disappointed if you're looking for value. These odds continually get worse for the better, like not for the better, like B-E-T-T-O-R-U. You are the better in this scenario because it's getting closer to the playoffs and the books know that more people are starting to bet on the favorites. So all of those odds are going down. For example, I bet on the Atlanta Braves at plus 1400 about a month ago to win the World Series due to the value compared to other teams. Now they sit at plus 850 and not much has changed in their scenario. They were right there with the Mets. It's not like, oh, the Braves were 10 games out. And they made this miraculous like comeback. No, they didn't. They've been right there with the Mets a month ago. It's just the odds are now getting shorter. So when you look at the Dodgers at plus 320, Astros plus 400, Mets plus 500, Yankees plus 550, Braves plus 850, Blue Jays, then it gets crazy. Then the odds like double. You have plus 1600, you have plus 2000 for the Cardinals and plus 2500 Mariners, Rays, Padres all the way down the line. This is what I would do. First, if you have $10 and you have to bet on three teams, one, you should put money on the Dodgers. Yeah. I know it's lame, but like you don't have to put all of them, but maybe still two bucks on the Dodgers. I mean, three they're three to one. to one. They're probably going to win it. They're my pick to win it. You put a gun in my head, say, Peter, who's going to win the World Series? I'm saying the Dodgers and like convincingly. So that's the first two dollars that I'm putting on. I'm still going to put four dollars on the atlanta braves because i feel at this current juncture it's the best value for a team that i think truly can win it because the braves are not much worse than the mets they they might be exactly the same i mean you could i'm sure braves fans and mets fans will go to war arguing over who's better but i'm here to tell you i think it's pretty even and then the los angeles dodgers are right there but the braves are, are right there with them but their odds are not reflected in this like they aren't plus 350 worse than the mets they're not plus 350 worse than the Yankees. So in terms of a value sense, that's what I, so now I have $6 and I hate to kind of cheat, but if you want to keep me to three teams, then I would put the other amount of money, whatever I have left. So maybe I'd put three on the Dodgers, four on the Braves, and then I'd put three on the Astros because I think that they're going to make it out of the American league. But if I can be, if I can find value for you, I think the Cardinals are a great pick at plus 2000. Like the Cardinals are also not that far off from the Braves. And if we're looking at a team who's been there, done that, I mean, the Cardinals are always in the thick of it. Goldschmidt could win the triple crown. Arenado's amazing. They have the starting pitching now with Montgomery and Quintana. Like we're going to talk about that in a second. Like the Cardinals at plus 2000, as well as the Blue Jays at plus 1600. We talk about World Series teams. You know, and what playoffs does is it shortens your team. So depth isn't as important in these factors. And a team that doesn't need depth is the Toronto Blue Jays in the sense that they 
lack depth, but in a playoff format that almost works to their favor when you have Gosman, when you have Manoa, and then you have Stripling or or Brios, whatever combination you want to go there, how hot their offense is. Then you look at the bullpen with Romano and Yimi Garcia and Anthony Bass and Adam Simber on occasion, if you need them. Like that, that is where I would look. If you're really looking for value, I think the best bets are the Cardinals and the Blue Jays. But really, I think it's Yankee or I think it's Dodgers, Astros, or Braves or no bet. <laughs> or no bet. So I'm going to make an interesting case here. Uh, and I, I probably misread the question. Uh, the way you broke it down makes way more sense. You have a total of $10. You could spread that among three teams. I'm with you on the Dodgers. I'm going to put three. I'm going to put $4 on the Dodgers. I'm going to put $4 on the Astros because those are two teams that I feel very confident that one of them is getting to the World Series, right? I love how you said in the beginning, like you could just put it on the Dodgers and Astros. That both of us are like, well, you should probably put it on the Dodgers and Astros. Yeah, like that—that's the thing. Like that's the thing. But two dollars to win fifty, right? Would it be fifty on the Seattle Mariners at plus two thousand five hundred? Would be my other sprinkle. I think it depends how the, the seating works and everything. I got I got to take a, another gander at you know what the what the whole bracket looks like. But I love the Mariners against just about any. I think they could stack up with any team, not named the Astros. And then the Astros just make it a series. You never know what can happen. The reason why I love the Mariners is this team has the ability to just outpitch anybody. If it's all going right, we talked about the four pitchers that they have, which that four I would take up against just about any team with the way Kirby has looked with the way Gilbert has looked. We know what Castillo can do. Robbie Ray's like my, my fourth guy in that fold there. And, and Robbie Ray's been fine. Been good. He's the been bullpen. better than fine. Like we need yeah. to give him some love. He's been better. He's been good. He's been good. Not great. The bullpen good. is elite elite. The firefighters course, back there. Of course. Yeah, they're disgusting. Of, of course. The question I have is, is the offense. But you can get hot in the postseason, and they have enough talent. I'm shocked that it's plus 2,500. With the way that they've played in the second half, I'm pretty shocked. I'm throwing my my last two dollars there. So lame bet with the first two, and then I really like the upside. And I'll be honest, I have money on the Mariners to win the World Series. I placed at the beginning of the season, and I placed more at the deadline. I I just like the odds too much, and I think it's going to be fun. You love the Mariners. Fun differential. I love the Mariners too. I think. Just just to end this question, just know you are not getting the value you deserve right now, especially as the season is ending. What I think and what I will be doing is betting on playoff series. It's not as sexy, but the value is going to be there. And you can place your futures now, but understand you're placing it for fun and you're not going to get the best value. Just know that going in that like there's some bets for example, like I don't parlay, but if you're going to put a $10 parlay in on Sunday, knowing it is for entertainment in the possibility that you can hit something, I'm okay with that. Yeah, but don't think it's a winning strategy. Yeah. Like if you are trying to accurately handicap these World Series odds, you are not getting the value that you deserve. No, that that's totally fair. And and that's why I'm glad I got it in earlier. I pretty me absurd too. odds too. And I will say it does pain me to not get the Braves. I do. You talk about value. That is one team that still has some pretty good value. Relatively speaking, that's defending champs who are way better than they were last year on paper. And I think that, sh- I think that shows like I bet him plus 1400 a month ago, arm what's changed. 
Now they're plus 850. That is a perfect they're story of bad. what's happening to the odds. And nothing has changed. They're still awesome. They're still in the same spot that they were. They're probably going to be the wild card unless they can overtake the Mets, which is a tough task because the Mets have an easier schedule than them. But now they're 850 instead of 1400. Yeah. Th- there you go. That's what we're seeing here. But still, 850, they should be at 500 with the Yankees and the Mets. I, like that's I, that's where they should be in terms of their talent. I really think the Braves have a better shot than the Yankees to win it. And it's not even, that's not a knock on the Yankees. It's just, no, it's not. The Braves were just there, won the World Series, and they're better. Here's my thing I think the Braves are better than the Yankees, but I think actually the Yankees might have a better shot because the Braves have to go through the Mets and the Dodgers. Well, the Yankees just have to beat the Astros. So that's, but I do agree with you that like if we're looking at, Who's the better if they team? The same I would take team. the Braves. If they played the same team. I would absolutely. take the Braves. Yeah. I would take the Braves. You got to factor in the, the path. Absolutely. Last question here. This is an Instagram question from dut, D-U-T dot bars, B-A-R-R-S. This factors in here because you talk about the value of the Cardinals. Questions about the Cardinals in the playoffs. What do you think the Cardinals four-man playoff rotation will look like now with Flaherty and Matt's back? How much confidence do you have in it? I like that. It's a two part question that way too. So I have confidence in the four Wainwright, Michaelis, Quintana and Montgomery. I don't have any confidence in Steven Matz whatsoever coming off an injury whatsoever. Flaherty could be interesting, but I've always been higher on Flaherty than like everyone. And it just has not worked. Um, I still believe in him, but not at this current juncture. No, I think they're both. If you need him in a pinch, like personally, Dakota Hudson is not a guy I'm relying on. Like at some point I would rather pitch Flaherty than Dakota Hudson. So I think you will see Flaherty in these playoffs. I don't know if you'll see much of Matt's, especially because you don't even need lefties anymore. No, maybe it's like a, maybe it's like a, just a one inning guy for Matt's let him throw 97 from the left side and just maybe, I don't know. That's what I was thinking with, with Flaherty. Ironically, you have the injury concern. He he's, his stuff tapers off a little bit right now as he, he's not stretched out. We know that he's got great stuff. He goes one, two innings as a reliever. He could be actually a good, a good asset for you. I, I think Flaherty could be that bullpen piece. I don't even know if you factor Matt's in, right? Maybe if it depends what the roster, you know, kind of shakedown looks like in terms of how many spots you want to use for hitters, pitchers, relievers, whatever. But you talk about these other guys that they've got right now. I mean, Jordan Montgomery has been one of the best deadline acquisitions any team has made. The second half, nine starts, a 2-3-5 ERA, a 2-5-3 FIP. He's been spectacular. Quintana was maybe candidate number one to regress post-trade deadline. Hasn't regressed, has looked really good. Michaelis, I don't have as much confidence in. And that's the funny thing is, I think it's a no-brainer of Wainwright, Montgomery, and Quintana. You have to go with Michaelis because of how good he was in the first half, I guess. But Michaelis is the guy I'm least confident in at that number four spot. You don't need another lefty as well. So I think Matt's really is the odd man out. You don't need three lefties in your playoff rotation. I guess it boils down to Jack Flaherty off of injury, Miles Michaelis in what has been just not a great overall second half for him, but he's shown flashes of being really good. And I think overall, because of how good he's been this year, he's earned himself that opportunity has been better over his last three starts. That's probably the four, right? It's those four and both Flaherty and Matt's are out of it. Flaherty may be the reliever, 
Yeah, like I think uh, I think an interesting combo is you go Michaelis for four, then you go to maybe even a Steven Matz for two, and then you get into the bullpen. Like I think that's an interesting trade off, or you pair him with Flaherty, kind of like what I think the Blue Jays might do with, um, like let's say Barrios isn't very good or something, and then you put in Yusei Kikuchi, and it just gets worse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like that's like kind of ways you can piece together these innings because in the playoffs you just got to get through nine. And you got to limit offense as, as much as possible. It's not like the regular season where you say, oh, Miles Michaelis, you know, it's from five innings, one run, and you're up. And it's like, well, we can just put Michaelis through the third time of the order. It's not like that in the playoffs. Like, you can go straight to that bullpen. And that's what I feel like they're going to use here. Kind of do that righty-lefty thing. Or you can just pair him with Flaherty because it's still a different different look there. I, I agree. I think you go short leash with Michaelis. I would, I'd give Wayne a leeway, right? I mean, that's somebody, if he gives you seven in the postseason, he could give you seven. I think the way that Montgomery's looked, same thing, Quintana, and maybe a little bit shorter of a leash. Flaherty could be a piggyback on one of the lefties. Matt's could be a piggyback on Michaelis, or, you know, even you could have Flaherty piggyback on Michaelis as well, depending on how he does. Palante can also serve that role. I think Dakota Hudson's a guy I probably want to see the least, which least. is, which is interesting because he has been serviceable this year. But in the postseason, I just don't trust him. Cardinals fans get so mad at me for not liking him. Really? Do you know the number one fan base who gets pissed off when I either bet against them or just don't bet them at all? It's Cardinals fans. They hate me. For, uh, why? I mean, they're the most passionate. Because like I won't bet on your team this one day. They're like, why not? We have a great guy going. Or I bet on the over with one of the games. What? You think our pitcher is going to get shelled? Like what? Yes. I'm not so doing anything to your team. I'm playing the numbers. 77 strikeouts and 58 walks. I can't do that. That doesn't play in the postseason. That doesn't play. You um, can keep the ball on the ground. The how only do you feel about the Dakota, rotation overall? I like it, but I also have felt this whole season that it's the weakest part of their game, oh, and they're totally. still a really good baseball team. Like, of unbelievable offense. Some of the best defense I've ever seen. They have a lot of good guys back in the bullpen. Like, Ryan Helsley has been awesome. So that's always how I felt was the weakest part of their team. And even if they, like... We were saying at the deadline, like they had to go get starting pitching. But even if they didn't, I would still have confidence. And then they did. And they got Monty and Quintana and both are working. Like, I think this is a great, great team. And if you have to look at a weakness, it is starting rotation. But I'm OK with that. Like they have they have enough guys there to piece together a puzzle and their offense and defense will show up. Is this the second worst rotation out of the postseason teams? Like, let me list them off. This is the last thing we'll, we'll talk about before we, we call in an episode here. I'm going to list off playoff teams or you know playoff adjacent teams. You tell me if their rotation is better or worse. Great. Okay. Great. Yankees. <laughs> really? I, I'd go with the Yankees, I guess. Yeah. Mets. Mets. Better. Braves. Braves is better. Phillies. Phillies is better. Rays. The Rays don't even count. Okay. <laughs> like they're, they're just going to put in some guy I've never heard of and he'll shot. pitch well. Like the, 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 they'll go Sean Armstrong to um, Brent Honeywell will come back from the dead. Um, oh, who's the, who's the, fr- why am I forgetting his name? The lefty. Um, this angle, Ryan Yarborough. Like they'll go Sean Armstrong oh. to Ryan Yarborough and like get through five scoreless. And you'll just be like, what? So yeah. that's what they are. I don't know. Blue Jays. Playoff rotation. Give me the Blue Jays. Yep. Guardians. Guardians. 
Bieber's looked awesome. Astros. Astros. Mariners. Mariners. Dodgers. Dodgers. Padres. Padres. Brewers. Brewers. Is this the worst rotation in playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Right? Yeah. Because I, I'm with you. But it's, it's not, not like bad. it's not like way worse. No, it's just the worst. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It, it just crossed it? my mind right as I was literally about to close out fan graphs. I looked at the standings. I glanced through the teams and I'm like, which rotation is is worse than this? Yeah. And the, the thing that they have going for them is their bullpen is better than almost all those teams, aside from a couple. And you talk about the defense and the offense. The pitching is good enough. Yes. And, and like if we're looking at thing. pitching staffs, like, you know, from the first inning to the ninth inning, give me them over the Brewers. Give me them over the Padres. Give me them over. That's why there's more to it. There's more to yeah, it. Yeah, there's more to it. It's just the but it is an interesting thought exercise. Best pitchers. And we're going to do these on future podcasts. That's why I know we had a we had a ton of playoff stuff. Like we're going to be covering the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Business here on the Just Baseball Show. So we 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 talked about a little bit, but these mailbags are more about players. Like we want to talk about some teams that don't get a lot of shine. That's what we kind of use the mailbag for with also some interesting questions that you don't often so just, hear. Yeah, I mean, we pick the topics every day. This is the one day where you know, we love to hear what you want to talk about. So Thank you for all those questions. It's always great hearing what people want to hear discussed because it's it, there, there's so many things going on in 30 teams. And I love seeing what fans want to talk about and want. Angels us to are going to be about. so good next year. The Angels, it's their year. I, I really think it's their year. But thank you. Um, just to recap, like um, we put out this mailbag question every Tuesday morning on our Twitter and on our Instagram at just BB media on Twitter. Um, at just baseball show on Instagram, we put up a graphic. You answer the, you ask the questions. We answer them here on the mailbag. Make sure use code just baseball for diet smoke or to get 15% off. If you want to play props with me, listen to not gambling advice, my podcast, as well as stuff for the NFL. If you're a football fan, make sure to listen over there. And if you want to play on prize picks, use code just baseball. When you download for a full deposit match, if you're into the prospect game, you know, arms coming out with his top 100 soon here on just baseball.com. And if you are interested in more and all the rookie stuff, and I'm sure arms got plenty and plenty of episodes for you. You could probably dive into those on the call up and that's it. Yeah, you're just baseball merch. Like, why not? Right. Yeah. Why not? Why not? not, Right. Why not us? And also, yeah, just detail the Arizona Fall League roster. So many talented players going out there. That episode is live on the call up. That's it. We we had a we had a question about and we're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic as well. We had a question from there and we kind of want to almost make that an episode. I want to make that literally its own episode rather than a question. Off season 101. We're still going to be coming at you with episodes and off season. Really excited to talk about that. Did see your question on that, though, and we will be talking plenty of World Baseball Classic. You don't have to worry about that. And with that, thank you, everybody. 